Because you can only imagine the PTSD a doctor experienced when he or she knows that that, doc- that patient's going to come in, start taking metformin, then take insulin, then um, have nerve damage that's going to lead to amputation, possibly blindness, kidney failure, kidney dialysis, and then, then death. That has to impact you over time. And I, I believe if we do a better job of educating our healthcare professionals, they can come out and really start talking wellness and using non-traditional methods to heal. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hey guys, happy spring. We wanted to share this interview we did last year with Eric Adams, who was the Brooklyn Borough President right here in our hometown. And he has since announced his run for mayor of New York City. We are super excited for him. We think he has an amazing personal story about healing. He actually healed himself of diabetes just through changes in his diet, which is incredible. And he's really bringing that perspective to a broader platform with trying to help raise awareness around health issues and how they impact us on an individual level, as well as how they can really change the face of the community. Uh, Now more than ever, these are obviously super important conversations to be had. We wish him the best of luck with his run and uh, we hope you enjoy this chat. Hey guys. So you may have figured out by now that Zoe and I are huge fans of functional mushrooms. And that's because their benefits are legit from increasing focus and concentration to helping you sleep and probably most importantly, providing incredible support for your immune system. And yes, that is actual science. You can check it out on our blog at earthandstar.com. But who doesn't need a little bit of extra immune support right now if we're being honest? But anyway, the most important thing for you to know actually is that you have to have these fabulous fungi in your system every day in order to reap the benefits. So Earth and Star, our new brand, is making it as easy as possible for you to get the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms every day. Like if you've got a serious cold brew habit, there's a can for that. If you love your afternoon matcha latte, then we've got you covered there. And if you're not like G-Love and you're not feeling the cold beverages, then how about a totally delicious dark chocolate bar that also helps you increase focus and concentration while satisfying your sweet tooth. And it pairs super well with red wine. So we at Earth and Star have created as many ways as possible to help you elevate your everyday routine because we are not asking you to add another pill or a powder to your very busy schedule of supplements. We just want it to be as easy and absolutely delicious as possible for you to get the mush love into your life. So check us out at earthandstar.com and get 15% off your first order with the code HTW. So we wanted to officially say hello and welcome to Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough President 
where what happens to his eyes. So it's nice to uh, be meeting with a president that we actually, <laughs> that we actually support. <laughs> and uh, you've done some really incredible work um, committing yourself to wellness and wellness education in your community. And definitely want to hear your story with that. And obviously in this current time, it would be remiss to not touch a bit on the work that you're doing in the community in light of the current pandemic um, and all of the, the wonderful, horrible side effects and, uh, and you know, things that are happening as a result. So if you'd like to just kind of share your story and how you became committed to, to all these wellness efforts, that would be a great way to start. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for allowing me to to come on. And I think this is such an important time. Although we can't go outdoors, I think we can do a lot of healing inside. And self-care and wellness is something that we have ignored for a long time. And this is an opportunity uh, really to explore those various areas of self-care and wellness, the non-traditional places that have actually been around for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, our European way of thinking uh, really um, sort of made those traditional ways of being connected to the universe. We made them paganism. And it's really unfortunate. It's now it's time to re-dig up some of those things. And when I think about digging up, I think that when I was first, uh, I was told I was diabetic uh, about three, three and a half years ago, maybe close to four now. Uh, I always say I thought I was buried with diabetes, but I was actually planted. And now I'm seeing the uh, fruits of that harvest produced every day. Uh, I was told while I was out of the country, I I had some serious pains in my stomach. And I thought it was colon cancer because I just lost a friend to colon cancer. And it had the same description. Uh, It wasn't gas. It wasn't moving. It was just staying in one area. And when I returned to the city, I, you know, I went to the doctor and men, for the most part, unlike women, you have to drag us to the doctor. You know, we just like, suck it up mindset. And when I got to the doctor, he checked my colon, he checked my stomach. And he, you know, when I came from under sedation, he stated that I had an ulcer and that was the original pain that I was feeling. But he said, Eric, your real issue is your diabetes. Diabetes is at a coma level. And I have to put you on three medications and insulin right away. And at the same time, I was losing my sight uh, in my left eye uh, uh, and my right eye was going as well. I didn't realize that it was you know, due to the sugar buildup in my eyes. And I was having nerve damage. My hands and feet were tingling. I couldn't even feel my right thigh. I thought it was you know, just basically nerve damage from you know, my days of playing uh, football in school. Uh, but my body was just breaking down, high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure, PSA numbers was the indicator of prostate problems were high, uh, the ulcer that brought me there originally. And he stated How that of uh, 50, 55, okay. 55. And, you know, that's very fascinating that you asked that because there's a reason that there's this list that doctors have when they say, when you get at this age, go check for this. When you get at this age, go check for this. You can almost track based on the American diet. Um, when you get to this age, this is when you're going to start having a problem. So I was right on cue with the chart. 
you know, that, hey, when, you know, when you get 55, you know, you need to go start getting your medicine for diabetes, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't so much that when you reach the age, it was that when you're on an American diet, this is what you are going, this is how long your body can hold on. Because really your body is an amazing entity that can do its job as healing. All it, ha- all it asks is, you know, get out of my way. Give me the fuel that I need. Yeah. And so I was told that what really resonated with me was number one, a doctor said, you're going to be blind in a year. And the second was that he said, you good. I was going to be on medicine the rest of my life. And so I was like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> you know, I knew in my own way, I knew that diabetes was coming. My mother was diabetic. My brothers and sisters were either pre-diabetic. You know, all of our family relatives were diabetic. And particularly in the, in the African-American community, we use the term, she has sugar or he has sugar. We sort of sweeten it. And I just refused to believe that. Everything in me said that, this is not the reality that I'm going to hold on to. So I like to say I did something scientific. I went to Google and Google reversing diabetes. And all of this information came up. And what was fascinating, I didn't put in living with diabetes. Because that was the term of the day. You know, how do you live with diabetes? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I found doctors like Dr. Espin, Dr. Gregor, uh, Dr. Barnard, I started reading the information. I called Dr. Essie. He was in Ohio at the Cleveland Clinic. And I flew down to see him one day and he said, Eric, change what you're eating. And I remember looking at him and uh, saying, I'm going blind and this fool is telling me to stop eating fried chicken. What the heck is this about? You know? <laughs> but I was determined. And when I returned to the city, I, you know, I looked in my refrigerator. And it's amazing when you become aware of something. Because mm-hmm. I looked in my refrigerator and I became aware that there was nothing healthy there. Everything was processed. Mm-hmm. Everything was, you know, food light, no food. And I just dumped everything into a large garbage bag. And I wrestled, you know, should I give it to a homeless shelter or not? And I said, nah, why am I going to give someone else poison? Let me just make a donation to a homeless shelter. And I just tossed it out and went on a whole food plant-based diet ever since. Three weeks later, my eyesight cleared up. Three months later, my my diabetes went in remission. My nerve damage went away. All the tingling was gone. And that original ulcer, gone. No medicine, just the medicine of food. And it's you been, never went on medicine, period, for diabetes? I went on the medicine for about seven days because my numbers were so high. And that's very, that's very important what you just asked yeah. because we use medicine incorrectly. When you are in a crisis state, you may have to use medicine to stabilize your state, but it's not supposed to be used as a permanent state. Right. And so once I, uh, I never used insulin, I used metformin, and which was fascinating. I used metformin for the week, but at the same time, I was stopping the food that I was eating during that week. And so at the end of the week, when I went back to see my doctor and he pricked my finger to check my, my blood sugar level, he was like, wow. Um, the metformin actually is doing well and the insulin is doing well. And I told him, I said, I never used the insulin or, or medicine. I use 
I used food to change it. And the body just responded so rapidly. Yeah. That's incredible. So what was your diet? Can you give us a little snapshot of your diet before and after? And did you go gradually or just like cut everything zero to a hundred? Fascinating. My diet was, uh, it was a standard American diet. You know, it had to be meat. Meat was the center of the meal. Uh, You know, and I always say we dispelled the rumors that do cops like donuts. I was a cop, you know, early on. And yes, we do. Every kind, sugar, glaze jelly. And uh, I had a, an unbelievable sweet tooth. I enjoyed processed cake, cookies, and it was just a real heavy saturated fat, heavy uh, fried, a lot of fried food, uh, you know, and I looked, you know, I was, I, I had a, a, a muscular physique, physique from years of exercises. So that could be misleading because you believe of uh, of visually, if you look as though you're muscular, all that fat is hidden inside and your body's actually breaking down. We take a lot of external pictures, but we don't take internal selfies. And I had to take an internal selfie to see that what I looked like on the inside was a really erosive and corrosion on the uh, inside, what I looked like on the outside. But it was a lot of meat, a lot of chicken, a lot of fast food, uh, just just a real sweet, fried, fatty, uh, processed flour, uh, processed food. It was just a complete processed uh, diet. And it was amazing how the mind operates because some things I said I, I never liked, now I love, like onions. Um, I love the power of red onions and, and uh, mushrooms. I eat mushrooms every day. And, what kind of mushrooms are you eating? Uh, oyster mushrooms, uh, you know, different. I love oyster yeah. mushrooms, yeah. you know, a lot. Uh, and everything, you know, the different types of food. And I was eating foods incorrectly, like oatmeal. I was so busy doing quick oats yeah. instead of having still cut oats. And so I was looking at how I was using the wrong foods, juicing as a diabetic, you know, juicing and l- losing my fly- fiber instead of doing smooth smoothies. So I was doing a lot of things incorrectly on top of eating the wrong foods. And so now, because um, we actually have had another conversation around this with uh, somebody who has, you know, in his, in, in what we understand, kind of cracked a different code on diabetes because the sort of commonly accepted, um, you know, theory is that you once you are diabetic and you're managing with food, that means you're cutting out all fruit. It means you're cutting out all carbohydrates and you just said oatmeal. So what are you doing now that might be antithetical to what people think about the traditional diabetics diet? I like that. I like that because it's amazing the things they tell you to cut out and the things they don't tell you to cut out. Uh, The enemy of diabetics is saturated fat. And you see all of these companies and agencies and nonprofits who are telling people, uh, you know, make sure you have lean meat and make sure you, you know, have poultry and others uh, where we're feeding the diabetes and the things that are good for you, like uh, fruits and oatmeals and others. If you do it, you know, correctly, you are really helping your diet. Like, you know, people say, well, you know, 
uh, just take dry fruits. No, wrong. <laughs> no, no, the fruits need the water. <laughs> it needs the fiber and all the sugar in dry fruits. Or you know, so we are the reason the the sugar content that people talk about the glucose level is bad in fruits is because we're eating the fruits incorrectly as a diabetic. Every morning I have a smoothie filled with a cup of, of blue or blackberries with uh, some type of green kale, some type of cruciferous vegetables, green uh, kale or lettuce or spinach. And I have, a, you know, I chop up a fruit bowl. That's how I start my morning with different uh, superfoods powders, you know, like karate powder and other powders. Uh, and just that drink holds me until lunchtime and it just really feels good it's a good way of breaking my fast but um the myth that you can't eat fruits is incorrect the myth that you can't eat oatmeal still cut instant oatmeal spikes your sugar we still cut is is a different um processing method the over processed food does a number on our body because it's not allowing the body to do what it's supposed to do. And that's process the food that we're giving it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that, you know, preparation and has just so much to do with how your body assimilates it and how bioavailable it is and just how, you know, how it's interpreting that. I was watching some Michael Pollan documentary a while ago and uh, he was just talking about the subject of bread in general and was kind of making the point that like you could a human could survive on you know the basic ingredients of bread for like a few weeks like water flour yeast salt and then eventually they would they would become deficient and die but if you gave them a cooked loaf of bread and it was actually you know in the oven and bake, like you could live on that indefinitely. It was just kind of this mind blow. It was so basic, but it just kind of blew my mind that like all of these ingredients, it's, you know, when you break them down and look at it on paper, it's like, yes, that's the same thing as this, but the way that we put them together, the way that we prepare things, the way that we cook things, like it's all very important to look at. Yeah. Um, so it's a good note. So can you talk a little bit about what you're, the work that you're doing and the initiatives that you are, are um, supporting to kind of help disseminate this information a bit? Because, you know, I think we, we are grateful to be part of this wellness community where a lot of what we're talking about right now feels very, it feels very obvious in some ways. And we, um, we clearly know that it's not just based on the huge, you know, disparity of understanding and education around these types of topics. So what's, What's uh? What, what are you? What are you working on? Uh, and I like that, Erica, because those of us who are in this space, we sometimes we make a mistake, and we want people to meet us where we are. Mm -hmm. And really, the goal is to meet people where they are and take them where they ought to be. Uh, because if folks would have come to me, you know, five years ago, six years ago, and told me that, hey. You need to stop eating the way you were eating. Uh, I would really take offense to that. And we have to find pathways to communications and find out how do you hear? Because we don't all hear the same way. How do you hear and how do you receive data and information? And we have really uh, respected the different methods 
of comprehension. It's not universal. You know, the, you know, it took diabetes for me to pause for a moment and listen. Other people could have diabetes and still walk into the doctor's office being told that they're going to lose an arm or leg and they're still not listening. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious we're not communicating to them in the manner in which they can comprehend. And, 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 and communication is not just someone is saying something and it reaches another person's ear. It is for them to receive what you're saying. And so what we are doing here uh, in Brooklyn and really is cascading throughout the entire city is that we are finding those methods of communication. For instance, in the African-American community, the black church um, plays an extremely significant role in how uh, people receive information. We are moving to get all of our churches to start health ministries so that you can get the support group. Because in this business of wellness, you need that support group because food is as addictive as heroin. And, you know, it is it is challenging just to say I'm no longer going to eat what I have eaten for many years because of the relationships that's attached to what you're eating. It's not just food. The chocolate cake that I enjoy so much is what my dad used to give me every time I had a bad a little league baseball game. Yeah. You know, the foods that we eat is associated with our relationships. And when you start attacking those foods, you're also attacking the relationships. When people are defending the food, they're not only defending what's on their plate, they're defending what's attached to those plates, those recipes. You know, this is my grandmother's uh, macaroni. Well, you know, what are you saying? You know? right. And so by showing um, the creativity, we have a great program at Bellevue Hospital, one of the first of its kind in America, where we're doing plant-based lifestyle, where... The hospital is showing people how to get off medicine, reverse their disease, have a healthier lifestyle, lowering their dosage based on uh, their lifestyle. Now, the insurance agencies must catch up because not being willing to pay for nutritionists and not being willing to pay for wellness coaches is really hurting on what we are attempting to do. And we're also focusing on the grassroots level. When you think about it, 70% 70% of 12-year-olds have early signs of heart disease. Did you say 1-7 or 70? 70, 70-0. 70% wow. of 12, you have early signs of heart disease. And what? much of, right, isn't that something? This is like, that's insanity. It, it really is. And a lot of that lies in the food we feed them every day. You know, we the Department of Health fights against childhood obesity, childhood diabetes, childhood asthma. But we're feeding our children 960,000 meals a day in New York that causes childhood obesity, childhood diabetes, childhood asthma. So we moved to Meatless Mondays in some of our schools. We're teaching our young people um, from the millions of dollars we are donating in um, hydroponics, growing food in classrooms. I think every school should have a rooftop garden or some form of garden in a school where they serve the food in the cafeteria and really introduce children to urban farming. And we are really focused on looking at all of the agencies where we feed people, correctional facilities, hospitals, ACS, all of these agencies where the city feeds people, we're saying we need to feed them healthy meals. What you do at home is on you, but you're not going to get sick on taxpayers dying. We're going to give you healthy meals and teach you how to cook 
healthy meals. That's important. And that's what we're trying to do. It's amazing. I think especially that example of hospitals, it's, I mean, mind blowing. Anybody who has spent time in a hospital knows that like, it's literally the worst worst (laughs) possible thing you can consume while you're trying to heal whatever you're trying to heal from. You have nothing but processed food, primarily just like white food across the plate, no fiber, no vitamins. It's shocking to me that we're actually allowed to serve that to people who need healthy food the most. So true. So true. And that's the, that's the challenge of, and I don't blame my uh, uh, physicians because uh, they are taught, taught wrong. And I really take my hat off to those physicians who have gone through the traditional medical uh, school and medical route and then come out and say, uh, I am not going to allow my, my patients to just go down this terrible road. But that's a hard thing to do. And we really need to get in our medical schools. We, we, we have a great partnership with Downstate University an amazing doctor there where they're starting to educate their students to lifestyle medicine and see the beauty of actually healing. Because you can only imagine the PTSD a doctor experienced when he or she knows that that, that patient is going to come in, start taking metformin, then take insulin, then um, have nerve damage that's going to lead to amputation, possibly blindness, kidney failure, kidney dialysis, and then, then death. That has to impact you over time. And I, I believe if we do a better job of educating our healthcare professionals, they can come out and really start talking wellness and using non-traditional methods to heal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's the same thing with schools, right? But it's, it's not necessarily um, cheaper to serve this type of food. You know, so it's not about that. It really is just a system that needs to be turned on its head. Yes. Well said. Well said. Are you familiar with wellness in the schools, that organization? Yes. Love wellness in the school. Good group. We we partner with a lot of the grassroots organizations. And I I really believe the, the, there's a cosmic shift in the universe where people are now starting to really see the importance of wellness. Um, it's, not, it's mind, body, and soul. I sent away a group of my educators to learn mindfulness, meditation, and yoga so they could come back and start their school day. I think children should start their day meditating and end their day meditating, especially now. Our children are traumatized over yeah. what is happening uh, uh, over this, with co- coronavirus, and we need to really start teaching self-care. You had that young doctor here in New York that committed suicide. You had another uh, EMT that committed suicide. I was just out uh, in the Bronx and in Co-op City, and they were telling me the number of suicides that are taking place with people who are jumping off the buildings um, there because of the impact of coronavirus. And imagine the trauma that you experience when you uh, push your loved one into the hospital and then told that they transition and you will never see their body again because they're going to Hearts Island because you didn't have the two weeks enough time to get the money to bury them. That is traumas that people are experiencing. And so we need a, we have to address this trauma and make sure that it has long lasting impact because trauma leads to poor health. Yeah. And it stays in your system as we've learned. It stays with you way longer than the actual acute event, which I think 
is not to be overlooked either. Is it true that you um, engineered the delivery of like 20,000 vegan smoothies <laughs> to seniors who were otherwise at risk? Yes, yes. We we have been, the vegan community, plant-based community has been amazing, you know, on really getting in the space of feeding people um, everything from burgers to drinks to food. We set up a table in Brooklyn on Tompkins Avenue Lafayette, where we served a large number of people who were in need of the faces of the pantry visitors. Um, those faces have changed. You know, you think about the supermarket employees who no longer, uh, who have lost their job, restaurants closing. Uh, many people have been laid off. And so their faces have changed. And we think that we're going to use this, this as an opportunity to show people how to eat a healthier lifestyle. Because at the heart of coronavirus, uh, many of our experts want to ignore. But the reality is that those who are dying are dying because of pre-existing conditions, over 94%. And pre-existing conditions uh, is not just that you woke up with those conditions. It's a diet that you have really consumed throughout your entire life. And we want to show that connection to say that part of the rebuilding process, we must rebuild our healthcare institutions and the ways in which we are feeding people. That's not only destroying our mothers, but it's also destroying Mother Earth. The overconsumption of meat, the overconsumption of food products that we use to feed chickens and, and, and cattle, burning down our Amazon, uh, just destroying our planet is all part of this overall healing that we believe the planet needs to go through. Well said. Yes, it's well. all connected. Yes, it is. Um, well, you're doing amazing work and you are quite uh, an inspiration. Just uh, personally, it's anyone who can, who can look at something like diabetes and say, no, I'm going a different <laughs> way. Not today. Uh, I'm going to use the tools that I have at my fingertips. Well done. It's all very impressive. Um, keep doing amazing work. We're all very grateful. Yeah, Thank we you. really are. It's, I mean, we first of all appreciate your time because we can't even imagine what uh, what you're dealing with, what what the pile on your desk looks like right now. So, mm. taking the time to actually talk with us and help to kind of disseminate this message is really, really meaningful. Thank um, you very much, and I appreciate. Good luck on your new endeavor. Thanks. And you know, I always tell people all the time. Uh, it's never about the destination. It's about the journey and the people you move, meet among the journey uh, makes life what it is and exciting. And I'm glad I met you on this journey that I'm on now. Thank you very much. Aww, thanks. Take care. <laughs> All right. And keep up the good work. It's really, it's really amazing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>